thought I wanted to, I felt from the Lord to start out with this morning, and it was this. Uh, it's kind of a truth that I've come to learn. Unless you come to fully accept something that God has said, you will never maximize what he said. Unless you come to fully accept what God has said, you will never fully maximize what God has said. And uh, let me just give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, years ago, uh, it started many years ago, actually, uh, and I've lived a, a prophetic life. I didn't know I was living a prophetic life until I look back. Probably from about, I don't know because I didn't write it down, I didn't know it was taking place. From probably about seven or eight years old, I dreamed every single night to at least maybe 14 or 15 years old. I would literally dream every night, and most of what I dreamed was the life that I've lived right now. And uh, sometimes I'll be in a room, sometimes I'll be in another country, sometimes I'll even be literally walking through an airport somewhere I've never been, and the Lord will bring me back. And I don't remember when, but I just know. And uh, I, I wish I could have wrote it all down, you know, because I, uh, I just didn't know. But uh, I think it was just God's way of letting me know you're on the right path. Years ago, for about four months, believe it or not, I taught in a public school. That's funny. So, right before I started full-time ministry. And I remember sitting there in the room, and I looked at the clock. I said, oh, I've dreamed this before. So... For many years, the Lord kept telling me, you have this prophetic ministry. And uh, it's not that I necessarily was opposed to it. I just didn't really understand what he was saying. And it wasn't until I embraced that. And uh, when Paul writes, you'll, you'll write something. You, it, it, when Paul writes in his letters, it's really interesting. He always prefaces and he says, Paul, if you, you, if you have your Bibles uh, this morning, uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, reading of the Amplified, Paul, an apostle, he never says the apostle Paul. He always says Paul, an apostle, because personhood never precedes purpose or even ministry office. But it doesn't also negate that. It says a special messenger personally chosen as a representative of Christ Jesus. Now, obviously, he's chosen as an apostle, and he, you have to, I'm saying all this because this is just one area, you have to fully agree with what God has said about you to maximize that area of your life. How do we know that? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So for years, the Lord kept telling you, you're a prophet, you're a prophet, and then uh, finally, and I, and I realized, okay, that's, that's great. And I would just kind of say that. But until I started saying, I receive and identify with the calling as a prophet seer, I didn't begin to maximize it. Right. Amen. And true humility is the ability to receive an inheritance that you did not earn, but God wants you to identify with. Sometimes, and if you look at anything from our ministry, it doesn't constantly say prophetic ministry. It's not necessarily a focus of uh, how I introduce myself, but I've learned this. I've had to identify with it to maximize the assignment that God has given me. 
Same thing in any other area. I realized that I was actually uh, in my own mindset, in my own heart posture, shortchanging certain things God wanted to do for me financially because I wouldn't fully receive it. For years, people would come to me and go, this gift is for you, it's not for the ministry, and I would put it in the ministry because that was humble. And then the Lord finally dealt with me and he said, if you don't start receiving it, I'm going to stop giving it to you. It's not arrogance to go, God, because this is what he's told me. He said, I want to make you a wealthy man. Now, you don't go around like, oh, guys, I'm maybe, you know. But you have to start identifying with it. Think about this. Sometimes that's a challenge for believers. But you don't say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I'm good with hell. No, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. You know, no, yeah, I'm not good enough, so I'll just... None of us realize that the things that God wants to give us are never birthed in our own strength, in our own merit, in our own character. It includes salvation, but then there's these other things that God wants to give us in the context of salvation. The, the Hebrew mind would know that salvation was way more bigger than getting my sins forgiven. They would understand this is fullness of life. This is purpose. This is a positioning in the kingdom of God. So you would never say, you know, even when you, when you leave the earth, you're going to go, no, thank you, God, I'm good. Yet a lot of believers do that. Sometimes people go, if, if I want to give them a gift, I, 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 I'm not good at specific gifts. It's just not really my thing. I just, here, here's money and you can buy what you want. I just said, what's the amount, God? <laughs> That's a whole lot. I'm sorry. Just get what you, you know, like sometimes, and I wouldn't have as much money. I go, well, they like this store. I can't maybe get them exactly what they want, but then I, I can at least get them on the path to that. <laughs> they like this store. I get them. And I've had people, oh, you don't need to do that. I said, oh, no, I do need to do that. For future, I need to give you what God's called me to give you. But in terms of salvation, I hope none of you, like when you leave the earth, go, no, no, God, I'm not worthy to get into heaven. So it's important to identify with the things that God has told you in Scripture. Amen. I just had this sense one day when I was praying. He said, you haven't really fully received this area of finances. There's something on the inside of you. And often, religion, a, relig a little thing of a religious spirit will keep, you, will, will, will keep you from receiving what God has for you. So I don't know. I just felt led to start there. It's really important. And when I first started doing it, it was awkward. I don't do it in front of other people. Lord, thank you that you've made me a prophet and a seer to the nations. Thank you that you've made me a brilliant teacher. Thank you that uh, you've given me revelation. What are these? These are just prophetic words. Yeah. And something, like, when you first started doing that years ago, you're like, ooh, ooh, why does that feel right? I was getting deliverance. <laughs> All those things that come against you 
being as extraordinary as God wants you to be. You know, I don't show up and, you know, I, I have the privilege of ministering lots of lyrics. I'm awesome, you know, like, this is why. You know, it's just, it, but it's important because your heart and your belief system define often what can happen on the outside to you. And your belief system was supposed to define the world. So you might visit moments, but you can't maximize everything that God has for you. It's important to maximize those words. So we want to maximize those words. And I just say that because I've just felt uh, this year, is, and by the way, I've never been more excited about a year than this year. I really have. I don't know why. I just, just the stirring and what God has said and all these things. I, and it's just been a beautiful week. But... Uh, so I just say that, just identify with those words. And, and prophet is just one of those things I had to identify with and full, to fully maximize it, to fully walk in what the Lord had for me in that area. So maximize the things that God has for you. It, it, is, it is not humility not to receive what God wants to give you. You're not going, no, I don't want, Lord, I want hell. I just want hell. It's just not worthy. You know, that, that would be stupid. Yeah, it's stupid not to receive everything that God has for you. And don't do stupid in the name of being religious humble. Amen. So I say that, and, and, and this, you know, I didn't just make this up, but, you know, other, other men and women of God recognize that. Now, other women, women of God cannot call you into ministry. Right. Like, you, you know, you, they can only recognize what God has called. You know, I always say they could put the shofar, put the oil, give you a certificate, says apostle, prophet to the name. And if God did not call, there will not be evidence. But if God has called, there will always be fruit to that. You don't need to fight your way in for a title or anything. It will be recognized. Man's gift, man's gift makes room for him. So, and I also believe, and, I, and I've understood this as I've observed this, I, I, have, I enjoy observing different ministry gifts. Prophets are very diverse. Apostles are very diverse. This, uh, you know, and it's really important too, I know there's leaders in this room, is that we equip people to know how to properly receive gifts. Amen. You know? Amen. So, often, well, I should say in some circles, because they haven't ever grown out of that, Charismatics and Pentecostals like this show. You know, they're like, they're wondering, like, oh. remember years ago, this young lady came up to me, she goes, you're not a preacher, are you? I go, what is she talking about? Because she was kind of used to somebody more boisterous, and so I, I don't know what that, you know, so there's one-dimensional approach, but it's, all, it's, it's very important to, you know, some, some ministers, you know, uh, they, I, I'm always leaning into trying to discern what the focus of a meeting needs to be. Amen. Last night, the focus was just upon him. We, don't, we, did, we did a few other things, but the focus was on him. Other, you know, some, some ministry gifts that you receive, you know, how much worship do you need? Five minutes. Because they're teachers. Go right into it. Someone more like uh, Pastor Benny Hinn, he's, he's going to want lots of worship because that's, that allows them to step into the realm of miracles. So it's important that we, we know how to receive ministry gifts. Yeah. You, can, you can be religious even if you, quote, unquote, don't think you're religious. 
You know, some people think it's, it's not a really powerful meeting unless everybody's on the floor. I remember years ago thinking, thinking we need to equip people in this area. Because I remember first event we ever hosted as a ministry. It was so beautifully powerful. And there was, I was just so thankful that what God did. And this, this one of our partners that came up to me and she said, I said, wasn't that great? She said, yeah, but I didn't get a word from you. And I thought to myself, you've just missed everything God did in this room. Because you were looking for one expression. So it's important to, to just recognize these things. And I just also want to say this. I believe, with firm conviction, I believe Scripture is its scriptural foundation. The primary job of a prophet is to call people uh, uh, back to faithfulness to the Word of God. Not, you know, the, I think prophesying, yes, of course it's a part, but it's, it's, it's not the strong part of it. It's the, I, I find the strongest prophetic people or authoritative New Testament prophets are people who are engulfed in the Word of God. Amen. You know, I, even when I'm teaching people in this area, I go, I go, please never ever give a prophecy. I'm not even sure this is biblical. Then sit down. You know, <laughs> There's not chapter and verse for everything, but there's got to be a biblical foundation. Yeah. So having said that, I want to share, I want to jump into this this morning. Uh, and hopefully this week, I believe this week, we'll get it out. There's a document we've created. I've submitted it to some uh, different leaders and stuff. Always want to get their feedback before we put it out. It's probably about five pages. I don't believe necessarily God speaks in calendar years, but he does speak in seasons. And so we created a document. Leanne and I have some words on there. We'll get it out this week. Our partners will get it first, and then we'll get out to the body of Christ of just words. But I, this is what I, I have felt for the last few weeks to focus in on this. And this is uh, December the 22nd. The Lord said this to me. He said, and if you want to put that up there, you can put it up there. Uh, uh, Janine, that, the, the word there. My greatest passion is for people on the earth who truly are progressively coming to know me, who know my ways who know my heart, who know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. That's a big one. Who know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. This is a season of distinct change and turning. I'm releasing heavenly blueprints to my people. And this is this so, it's like my spirit leapt when I was kind of reviewing some of these words. And maybe that's why the Lord wanted me to focus. But my spirit left. He said, live with the purpose of Joseph, have the heart of worship of David, have the excellence of Daniel, and know how to build like Nehemiah. Live with the purpose of Joseph. Have the heart of worship of David. Have the excellence of Daniel, and know how to build like Nehemiah. At the center of what I'm doing in the earth is a people whose greatest desire is to know me. A people who have come to know the pleasure of experiencing my beauty and presence as a lifestyle. So I invite my people to know to know me, for many of my children have secondary understanding of my ways in the earth. I'm inviting my people to know me, experience me, walk with me all the days of their life in the earth. This is my greatest desire for my people. And we know that the vision, no matter what assignment God has given us, the vision for every believer here is to be like Jesus, right? To be like Jesus. Romans uh, 8, for those whom he, 829, for those he foreknew, he also predestined, what? To become formed to the image of his son. So he would be the firstborn among many brethren. I love that idea that Jesus is our elder brother. Jesus 
was this fully God, fully man. He was the sample son. He never stops being God. And of course, he invites us into this. We've been partakers of the divine nature. And uh, the prophetic word is live with the purpose of Joseph, have the heart of worship of David, have the excellence of Daniel, and know how to build like Nehemiah. Now, notice, too, in, in approaching this today, how the written word and revelation of the written word come together. We have a revelation for the season, but it's based upon the word of God, but we can be sure it's built on that foundation. So you need to have uh, uh, a love, and I, felt, I have felt this for many years, and this has been the focus of my life, the word and the spirit coming together. Uh, I was just listening yesterday because I wanted to watch it because such a great legacy, uh, Lauren Cunningham uh, going to be with the Lord. And he, 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 he modeled this in, to me, his apostolic ministry. The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. 1975, he gets this revelation of the seven spheres of society. It was built on the foundation of the word and then gave a paradigm for the body of Christ. That's how your life should be lived. It should always be built on the firm foundation. It's a sure word of prophecy, but then your understanding of that is what gives you the ability to move ahead in it. And so I say Jesus is the model, but in David, in Joseph, in Daniel, in Nehemiah, we have what, of course, we call types of Christ. Types of Christ. The word type does not occur anywhere in the Bible, obviously, but typology appears in the Old Testament. We, we speak of types as figures or shadows of objects or occurrence. So what do we mean? We mean we have this type in Joseph that he, he models what we're going to see in the life of Jesus, but the ultimate fulfillment is Jesus. 1 Samuel 3, when, uh, Samuel, uh, when Samuel gets this uh, word, the word is that God's going to have a faithful priest. God's going to have a faithful priest. Most people think the original application of that is David. The ultimate fulfillment of that is Jesus Christ. So you have a type in the old and then, and then the fulfillment in the new. So it's, if you don't like the old, please get born again. You know, they are all pointing to Jesus. The brass serpent, Numbers 19, right, was a type of Christ. How do we know? Jesus actually said that, you know, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man will be lifted up. I love the Bible. Come on, brother. <laughs> I love the Bible. And then Paul says, right, uh, Colossians 2, 17, these are shadows of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ Jesus. So when we look at these people's lives, we can see invitations to part of what should be applied in our life. Jesus is always a standard, obviously. He's the greatest fulfillment of that, right? You, 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 you want to live the earth like David, right? When David had served the purposes of God for his generation, some translations said he went to sleep, some translations said he what? So he, he finished well. We'll talk about it in a minute. He leaves a legacy that finishes well. It's beautiful, but you don't want to model his life of adultery. <laughs> Go back to this, because I keep meditating on it. My greatest passion is for a people in the earth who truly progressively come to know me, who know my ways, who know my heart, who know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. This is a season of distinct change and turning. I'm releasing heavenly 
blueprints. At the, part, the part that jumped out at me is have the heart of worship of David and at the center of what I'm doing in the earth is a people whose greatest desire is to know me. I want to start with David here. The man after God's own heart, right? Where do you find that? 1 Samuel 13, 44, Acts 13, 22. It's so interesting to me that God can view you a certain way and God's thoughts towards you are brilliant. God doesn't, I think it's very cruel to have a theology in a worldview that believes, and this is actually taught, that there are certain people just created for damnation. But the ones teaching it, they're the called ones. Think about that. The same ones teach against prosperity, but they're prosperous. They want you to buy their books on how you can't be prosperous. Wow. <laughs> Let the elevator go to the top floor on that one. They believe in prosperity. They, don't just, believe, they, they just don't believe in it for you. <laughs> so his thoughts towards you are brilliant. But we are the ones who will decide if we live with the reality of the thoughts that he has towards us. And David is this exceedingly unique man in Scripture. There's 58 New Testament references to David. And uh, Jesus, of course, I mentioned it last night, is called the son of David. Jesus will sit on the throne of David. Paul states that Jesus is ascended from David according to the flesh, while Jesus himself is recorded by John as saying, I am the root and the offspring of David, Revelation twenty-two sixteen. And you'll find something, and let's turn there, 1 Samuel 16, this is the first time you read about David. Uh, one thing that I do personally, I, I had... Uh, Felt like the Lord was emphasizing something else, so I wasn't quite dialed into that. But a few months, uh, maybe about four months ago, I'd been doing this for many years. Uh, he told me to start reading again, over and over again, First and Second Samuel. But you'll find something here. First Samuel 16, the prophet of the Lord, Samuel, to me, still one of the greatest prophets that ever walked the earth. First Samuel 3 says, God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. That's a pretty good prophetic ministry. That when you spoke for God, they knew it was a done deal. Look at verse 5. You'll see it here. And they said, have you come to sacrifice the Lord? 1 Samuel 16, verse 5. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and he called to sacrifice. Right before there, you'll see that they go, have you come with a good message? Because they knew that if they didn't have the all-state insurance plan in, in place and he had a word of judgment, it was a done deal. I'm believing God that we're going to have New Testament people that when we speak for God, people know it's a done deal. Amen. Then he looked at Eliab and he said, surely the anointed is, is, uh, of the Lord is before me. That's always a really good lesson to me because the great, to me, this, this great prophet 
is about a second away from missing a pivotal moment in world history. So I want to encourage you, never assume you know what the Lord is doing. Sometimes that's even a little challenging for me, especially when I'm praying or, or in meetings, because sometimes you, you have this, this direction, and then you're in the front row, and God goes, it's going a different way. I said, no, why, did you, why did we prepare this way? So I'm arguing with my type A personality. Not really arguing, but going, you know, trying to discern. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. I want you to notice too that the Lord looks, actually is looking, describes. It describes God at looking at the posture of people's hearts. Because that will be important, I believe, to something the Lord wants us to emphasize. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called the Bidnadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And the Lord said that Samuel said to Jesse, are all these, are all your young men, are these all your young men? Excuse me. Now, uh, this is also really important too because I always think every time I read these passages, I probably would have missed it because the Lord said it's one of his sons. So, none of, you know, it's got to be one. Let me just pray in the spirit and pick one of them. Sometimes inquiring of the Lord, even in the middle of the process of obeying the Lord, is exceedingly important. Here's a principle that I've learned. And it's kind of simple, and it's not to be mean or cruel. Abner can miss a turn, but God never misses a turn. So if something is not fruitful or anything, sometimes people live secretly offended because they're in the process of obeying God, but they missed a turn or, catch this, really important, they listen to the wrong voice on the way there. It's really important. Really, really important. Really important. Sometimes, you know, somebody's built a church or a ministry, and I, I don't know necessarily why, but people, act like, they ask me and they ask me questions about their problems and sometimes I say, well, why did you do it this way? Well, so-and-so said this. And my heart goes, ding, 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 ding. And it doesn't mean that people have bad intentions. Sometimes actually they do, but not all the time. They're just, there's been many times, Pastor Chad, people have come to me and they go, well, you should do this, this, and this, and this in your ministry, this, and this. I go, wow, all of that makes sense. Let me pray about it. And Lord go, that's not what I called you to do. But it sounds smart. Right. And the research tells you you should do it. And I'm not saying don't listen to sound wisdom. I'm just saying always inquire of the Lord. It's my number one question. You know? And you can use scripture to justify disobedience to the Lord. I see it all the time. You know, people... You know, they're tracking along with the Lord. They're plugged into a great community. They're growing like they've never grown. They're getting delivered of their dysfunction, and they get a job offer. This is our dream job. What did God say? You know, along the way to purpose, you will be offered things that are really nice, but God, has, God is not in it. And, and this is what I believe. This is, this is what I'm convinced of, and I, I haven't arrived in this, but striving to arrive in it. I believe, even for ministers, there's a bunch, three, four different ministers here. 
This is the difference between living out the high call and having a nice ministry. And the favor of the Lord will actually attract good ideas, not God ideas. Because people want to be involved in something that God is doing, or they see attractive, they see a big platform. And he said, there remains yet the youngest there. He's shepherding the flock. And Samuel said to Jesse, send him and bring him here, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent him and brought him. He was ruddy with beautiful eyes and good in appearance. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for he is the one. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came on David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Now, I read this because I want to demonstrate and this is, I believe, applicable to every person in this room, that David cannot fulfill this prophetic word on his own. It's, complete, it's not like he can go to Virginia Tech or Harvard or wherever, you know, a good school, you know, do an internship with the right congressman and get to become king. It's only God who can bring this to pass. That's our life purpose. But this is so interesting to me. He's got this impossible assignment given to him and the power to do it comes upon him. that's the key part the power to do it comes upon him the moment Dave uh, the, the the prophet anoints him but his his life assignment was defined came through the process of being a worshiper so fascinating to me he said this is the one thing that I desire he's got this great call like what do you do worship more Now listen, this is really important. From God's view of reality, how we arrive and live in our destiny process is essential. Is essential. How we enter into our destiny will often determine if we will, com we will complete it properly. So if you've, if you've built something in your own strength, you'll have to maintain it in your own strength. David built his kingship on a lifestyle of worship, that's why when even it looks like he's losing it, even through his own mistakes, he goes, well, God's the one who put me here. I don't have to fight to keep it going. This is the work of the Lord, and if he wants to keep me king, I'll be king. He was confident that God is the one who brought him into that. How we arrive, this is really important. How we arrive and live in our destiny is essential. Amen. And often determines if we stay there. How we arrive and live in our destiny is essential. David had a purpose that could only be fulfilled by God, and his purpose was defined by one passion and one priority. One thing have I desired from the Lord, that shall I seek. One thing, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So, here's really important for us. Have the heart of worship like David. David delighted in knowing God. David's idea was not, he, he moved from God's a good God to I've experienced that God is good. Here's what he writes in uh, Psalm 19. 
It's one of my favorite psalms. Favorite thousand psalms, I say, because there's never a phrase like. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, and the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Catch what he says there, rejoicing the heart. He rejoiced in knowing God. The commandment of the Lord is pure and enlightening. That, that's actually one of the signs of growth and maturity that you don't see the command and the word of the Lord as restricting, but you delight. You go, you go oh, he's telling me this because this, if, if I violate this or if I keep speaking this way, it's, gonna viol- it's going to cause disruption in my walk with the Lord. You're not pointing this out to be mean or cruel. You're pointing this out because it's going to disrupt the flow of the inheritance you want to give me. Like what John, right? Who laid on Jesus' test. He writes in his epistle, apostolic teaching, his commands are not burdensome. Amen. I love that. I love that. That you grow out of, oh my God. Like, sometimes you hear people talking, I just go, man, you need to grow out of that. Amen. You know, they're, they're having this weekend at my church, but I really want to go to the beach, you know, because it's the middle of summer. Or I got tickets to a game, you know. Literally, I go to Alabama. I used to live there. Thank God the Lord moved me. <laughs> I don't really think it's just not my place, you know, just not my place to live, you know. I knew it was always temporary. But one of the saddest, this is, this, is, this is no exaggeration. When I minister in Alabama in the fall, they will actually tell me, well, we'll do the meeting in the morning because there's an Alabama game in the afternoon. I'm not exaggerating in any way. And I thought, what is going on in the world that we live in? I understand you want to maximize participation, but we are literally legislating the things of heaven according to when a football game is. This is me. I enjoy things, but I, 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 I choose not to say I only love Jesus and my wife and my child. I enjoy the Jets, but they do not dominate my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the what? Or the football field. What is that? Wait. Yeah, he's oh. oh yeah, yeah. They have to be entertainment at this point. You know. Might as well be up there with WWE, you know. <laughs> no, I didn't get what you said. Maybe you can explain that to me at lunch. We needed a drum for that. Oh, okay. I missed what you said. And so, and I realize sometimes we, we want to, you know, I don't believe that people should be in services seven days a week or anything like that. But, but I also want to tell you, if we're praying for move of God, we might be having seven day a week church, you know. So a lot of people are like praying for stuff they really don't want because it's really going to interrupt a lot of things for them. You, you might have to cut hours. Because the revival meeting starts at 7 and we need ushers at 6. We've got to consider these things. Well, I just don't know how we can do that. You know, I need my money. Huh? Right, you need your money. Right, you need your money. 
Then he goes on, the fear of the Lord is clean and enduring. The judgments of the Lord are, 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 uh, are true and righteous. I love that. All together. He, David sees God as a good father. He doesn't see him as this cruel taskmaster. More to be desired than gold. Yes, much gold. Sweeter than also honey and honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant ward, and by keeping them comes great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. I I noticed that when you grow in the knowledge of God, you become incredibly aware of how much growth you need. Keep me back from your servant, also from presumptuous sins, that they may not rule over me. They will, they, I will be upright, innocent with great transgression. And I love this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. He had this, he delighted in God. When you have one pursuit, you'll delight in God. I've noticed that. That's, that's a fruit. When, when you have one pursuit, you will delight in God. And then in Psalm 84, he makes this interesting statement. He says, my heart and my flesh cry out. He actually says, he's actually talking about his physical body actually crave the things of the Lord. I've come to identify with that. There's just sometimes like, Lord, I, I just, I need to worship right now. Or I need, I need to just like, that's why I love it. Uh, it sometimes it's a little distracting, but it's great to have the Bible on your phone. I can sit anywhere, you know, just waiting for a dot, whatever it is. You know, on a plane, I can just jump, Lord, just, I, I, need, I need your word right now. I need your word right now. So he delighted in knowing God. And I've learned also this, that it's, it's not always, uh, it's not always the, 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 I call them, you know, the, the real, you know, encounters that we always remember. It's the continual. So what's one of the characteristics of uh, one thing pursuit with the Lord? Consistent, intentional, and persistent. But I I notice if you'll cultivate constantly being in his presence, you'll begin to cultivate that sort of hunger and that sort of posture. And truthfully, there are moments you go, I'm tired. There's moments where, you know, it's not always, but it's if if you will just uh, allow God to develop that habit and that discipline of just being in the presence of the Lord, you're going to break through to an open heaven. Last night, there wasn't lightning bolts every moment. It's just like, let's just stay in this place. Let's learn to just cultivate the presence of the Lord. Yeah, my, my mind's going to something else right now, but let me refocus. Let me teach myself to refocus here. I'm concerned that we have catered even our public gatherings to the lowest common denominator. You know, popular church leadership opinion is like, you know, people don't want to stay more than an hour and 10 minutes anymore. You know? No, they just don't want to stay for the hour and 10 minutes that you're doing. Right. Right. But people will stay for the glory of the Lord. Exactly. But you also have to mature them into that. There's no shame, no blame if, you know, you've got to grab kids or different things. But that, that same person will sit for nine hours doing something they hate because they get paid. 
and they've trained themselves to do something, hey, we need to train them to do things that will feed their eternal soul. Again, I'm not saying you've got to have a service till 3 o'clock every Sunday, but we have, to, we have to call people higher. We have to call people to, to a place, and we have to create environments. I, I often sometimes, I can feel people, it's, it's awkward in the room. I remember the first time I hosted one of those prayer gatherings, and this little person kind of nudges me, go, when are you going to say something? Probably never for the next four hours. So <laughs> It's that uncomfortableness of that Western. We want things quick. We want, we want to move quick. So I think it's important sometimes to let people just hang there for a minute. I don't know what to do. That's good. That's good. Just, just learn to just be able to stand in His presence. Connecting with the Lord is not like touching your iPhone. Yeah, I know. It's hard being so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So here's a, another point. We'll kind of land the plane on David. We'll jump into Joseph here. David made a choice and his choice and his heart posture changed the way God related to him. <laughs> Think about that one. You'll see this in the New Testament because Jesus actually says this to his disciples. Trying to find, here we go, John 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. The point we want to make here is your posture can determine or change how God relates to you. To me, obviously a flawed man. But you'll see a New Testament example there. He goes, I'm not relating to you as servants anymore. What, what is the, the focus of a servant? And it, you never lose servanthood. We're here to serve people, right? I never want to grow out of serving people. It's not, I, and here's this thing. We just know this, right? When we're walking properly with the Lord, walking properly with the Lord is a life of inconvenience. It's not American. It will inconvenience you. It will stop and do this, do this, please do this. Because that person, you know, whatever it is, we're here to serve people. Amen. But David makes this mistake, but I believe he's got such a heart for the things of the Lord, God actually gives him this promise that because of how you have acted, David, I'm going to promise to make a... Uh, I'm going to secure something for future generations that will outlast your life here on the earth. What did he do? He changed the way he related to him. He said because of his heart posture, because of his decision, and that's just true. It's just true. It's not an earning thing. God invites, in fact, he says in Matthew 25, I invite you all to this feast. The king comes and invites, what's it, what are we a part of? A kingdom. I'm inviting you, not, excuse me, is it Matthew 25? I want to make sure I got that right verse. Is that right, John? 
double check for you because I'm jumping from a lot. Yeah, excuse me, Matthew 22. He, he likens the kingdom of heaven to a wedding feast for his son. Now, if you notice that, I encourage you to read Matthew 22, 1 through 5. The whole, the whole is in there. Isaiah prophesied what the kingdom would be. It should be choice wines and these type of things. And the son, it says, the son comes, and, and I, think, I, I definitely think he was thinking at least of Americans in the future with this one. He said, come to the feast that's prepared. And what, is he, what do they say? No, I'm cheating on my spouse. I'm lying. I'm doing this. You got one group that is already, that's clearly antagonistic that goes, they beat up the son. They're just antagonistic against the message. But you got another group of people go, no, I just started a business. No, I just got married. Modern day translation, it's the only day I get to sleep in, pastor. (laughs) We're really busy. Junior's got, none of these things are bad in and of itself. But they're bad when they take away the affections of your heart. So your heart posture can actually change the way that God relates to you. Amen. Got one amen. It's still true. It's a... Part of the reason that's sometimes challenging culturally is because there is an idea that, that somehow God is obligated to relate to everyone the very same way. It's open. The blood of Jesus has made access open for everyone. Yet you will determine how God relates to you. How do we know? It's constantly in Scripture. Numbers 13. I want you to go into the promised land. The heart posture, the majority of those scouts, he, and, and he didn't throw them away. He doesn't throw you away. It's like, it's like oh, no, you're not getting to heaven. But it's a matter of what you can receive and what you can do here on the earth. And by the way, if you don't like learning here on the earth, you'll just be on a further curve to learn. There's a lot of people who are going to have to go to Bible college when they get to heaven, you know, because they didn't learn anything. Where does he go? I want you to go there. It's my desire for you to go into the promised land right now, as we say in the South. Numbers 13. It's the promise of the Lord. He wasn't withholding anything. What's the difference? Joshua and Caleb, they have the heart of the Lord on the matter. And notice this, other people's decisions kept them from experiencing that right now moment, but they still got in. They still got what God promised to them. So what does he do? He takes, he, he relates to them, even though he wants to take them into a land of provision, even though he wants to provide for them extravagantly, he wants to teach them how to start governing from a place of promise. He said, what does he tell them? He doesn't say you'll get it all at once. He said, little by little, posture their heart. You can handle this, I'm going to increase. You can handle this, I'm going to give increase. Because I, want to te- I don't want it to overwhelm you. I don't want you to be overwhelmed with the things that I'm giving you. I want to teach you how to steward. So he tells them, he goes, okay, because you think I can't do that for you right now, here's what I'll do. I'll just provide for you day by day. So I'll teach you from that place, but you're going to live in that place. You're going to die in that place of immaturity. I know it sounds really harsh and strong, but God is not obligated to treat everyone the same. <laughs> Your heart posture actually determines how he'll relate to you. 
if you choose not to forgive, you will grow a web, what, of bitterness. So in that place of bitterness, God still loves you. God still cares about you. God still has a purpose over your life. Really important point about all this. God doesn't change the way he thinks about you. He's still loving. He's still kind. But he's got to relate to you in the position that you're in. Now the other great sobering part about this, he increases us as he gives us greater authority we will be judged at a higher level. It's gotten very quiet on us. One last thought on David. We touched on this last night. One manner in which David's passion for God was expressed in his giving. David gave freely to the Lord. David was a very wealthy man. You'll find pretty much all the patriarchs were wealthy people. I don't know one that wasn't. Joseph, live with the heart of worship of David. Live with the purpose of Joseph. On November 27th and the 29th, the Lord said this to me, for this generation of people on the earth will be a people who dream like Joseph and in the middle of famine display my exploits in every area of their life. There's a command, a command on every believer, and that is to have dominion in the earth, to be a steward of the earth. How you take authority and dominion over what's taking place is always connected to your divine purpose. Genesis 37. It's a dream that Joseph builds his whole life on. He builds his whole life on one word from God. So what, 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 what also does that tell us? The ability to discern when God is speaking is critical in every season of our life. Say that again. The ability to discern what God is speaking is critical in every season of our life. I, I, I remember years ago... And I, and I think it's really, really sound wisdom. And there are still some ministers, I, 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 I encourage other ministers to apply this. Many ministers who, uh, you know, if someone wanted counsel or advice, they would come to my, I remember this one story I heard. Uh, this is a good, good result. The, the man said to the pastor, I need to meet with you. How are you? my marriage. He said, I want you to sit and come every Sunday and listen to what I'm teaching. I think he told him for the next three months. And, it, and, and if you still need help in your marriage, I'll meet with you. After three months, the guy said, my, my marriage has never been better. So often, people have tools in front of them that God has given them for wisdom and sound advice and the voice of the Lord. But often they'd rather talk to someone about their problem than actually listen and apply to, to the, the, the Word of God to their situation. So the ability to discern when God is speaking is critical in our lives. I think that's good advice.
So Joseph's life assignment was based upon one word from God. The word from God came in one dream, discernment. Joseph, again, you'll see here, there's no way Joseph can bring, can bring to past his, this dream. It's got to be the Lord. But here's the really good news. When you agree with God, this goes back, this, listen to the theme that God is really emphasizing here this morning. When you agree with God and begin to say it, care if it takes four years, two years, 20 years. God will do everything he can on his, on his end, angels moving word comes to pass in your life. Now you got a responsibility along the way to obey what he's told you in that moment, but he'll bring that he'll he will he will orchestrate things to make sure that word comes to pass. Why do you think one of the number one things those prophets were prophesying, there's a coming Messiah? What's he doing? He's setting the atmosphere up in the earth for that word to come to pass. It might be Mal, Malachi, or not Malachi, um, the other prophet. 400 years between the word of the Lord coming, but what's happening? He's moving and orchestrating times and seasons to bring that word to pass. That's good news. You can be assured, you can be assured when you're tracking with the Lord, as he had for Abraham, that's one of the things I said, there's always a ram in the thicket for the Suarez household. Amen. What? There's always provision. There's always provision. There's always provision. There's always provision. Who, who provided that? He moves. He operates. He he, he, he will orchestrate things in the unseen realm and bring them to pass in the seen realm that you'll have what you need when you need it. But you'll notice here, in fulfilling the purpose of God for his life, that's impossible. First of all, you'll find his own family fought the deliverance that was going to come through their brother. They hated the instrument that would bring them deliverance, and they were all on the same team. So what does that tell us? Part of our discipleship process is often breaking free of family strongholds, even though they're on the same team. So what am I saying? His purpose was a blessing to his family. His purpose... Notice that his dream does not come to pass, come to manifestation, unless it's in service to the world. So true dominion and true purpose often is always in service to the world. Pharaoh is not the nicest guy. In his culture, they think he's a god. When Joseph stands in front of them, they shave him, they do all these things that would be very offensive to a Hebrew then. He didn't go, you made me compromise. He just gives them the word of the Lord. The point is, his dream does not come to pass. He does not step into the place of full authority that God wants to give him unless it's in service to someone else. Dominion in the earth is always service to other people. It's not, let me take over, it's how can I serve you? And in that, I'm bringing God glory in the position, the authority that God wants to give me. 
And you also notice it's in proper context. It's very, very, you'll, you'll see Genesis uh, 1, 2, and 3 played out in Joseph's life. Before, the first thing that, that uh, Adam does in having dominion, he's got to take, oh, he's got to take stewardship of yeah. what God already put there. Yeah. Said this on New Year's. I believe in believing for big things. I believe in declaring the word of God. But some people are declaring things that they are not, like they're, they're I'm believing God for, you know, a 20 bedroom house and this, that. And they have a two bedroom house that they've not taken care of. It's falling apart. What's the first thing? Before the grass grew, this is Genesis 2, before the plants, he put man there. The first thing we must do is steward. And what is the first thing that you'll see Joseph stewarding on the, on the process to destiny? His own heart. Genesis 39 says, Joseph was prosperous, yet Potiphar owned him. How are you prosperous when you're the slave of a man? Literally, this man can tell him whatever he wants. And you also see the favor of God operating in the context of servanthood. So he stewards his own heart for years. He, if there was ever anyone who could have chosen to be a victim, it would have been Joseph. Come on. Sure. So what? He stewards himself. Yes. And because he stewarded himself, he could now steward interpretation. And he's still serving. And I love this too. In, in process, you'll learn this. You're a co-laborer with God, but you are not the author of your own destiny. Amen. What's he tell the butler and the baker? He's trying to help God out a little bit. I've, helped, I've tried to help God out lots of times. I fully admit that one. Tell the baker and the butler about me because I've been in, in... Pharaoh does not need him then. Even if he went before Pharaoh, he goes, I judge you to be an innocent man. And he walks away. He would have never come before Pharaoh as the dream interpreter. So what I want to say, in difficult circumstances, if your heart is positioned correctly, God is still working all things for your certain good. Amen. That's a word for somebody. Never give up. Yes. That's the biggest one. Never give up on the word of the Lord. Never give up on the written word. Never back down. Now, you might have to adjust certain things, but never back up on what God has told you. I, I just committed years ago, I, I, I'm going to die believing. Will he not find faith on the earth? On. So he stewards his own heart. Yes. And God makes sure yes. he's in the right place at the right time in the right yes. season. Yes. Before I got married, I always said, Lord, I thank you that I'm always in the right place at the right time in the right season. When I woke up this morning, I said, Lord, is, what about the weather? He said, I told you to do this meeting. You have the meeting. So I got excited because I'm in the right place at the right time in the right season. Amen. Yeah. God. I'm not supposed to be in California today. That's right. You're not supposed to be in California today. It was right here at Wellspring Fellowship. Not Alabama. Yeah, not Alabama. <laughs> I'm going in a few weeks actually to Alabama. So he stewarded his heart. And because he stewarded his heart, it was a personal blessing. He became a wealthy man. He had lots of authority. He had, and notice there, God is not afraid to do that to you. You must agree with the word of God in your life to maximize it. Amen. God is not afraid to give you influence. It's, it's an awesome dream. Amen. 
You don't have to go left just because God gives you a great platform. Jesus is the standard. Personal influence, stewarding of the heart. What does he do? Generational influence. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then also influence for a nation. He was the answer to God's covenant promise to his people. Though they were forsaken, though they were in famine, God still had a covenant to take care of them. The multidimensional flow of dominion. It's personally beneficial because I'm going to marry, I'm going to have children, they're going to live in a wealthy palace. It's a benefit for my family because my family is going to benefit from my prosperity. My brothers who hated me. That's why a lot of, a, a lot of these quote-unquote prophetic things that are said, I'm telling you, they're not rooted in Scripture. They're not rooted in, in the Bible. You know? When you get to your place of influence, all those people, they ain't coming around. Like, we want to be a blessing. We want to be a blessing. Think about this, and I'm not saying don't have boundaries. I'm not saying I have boundaries. Boundaries are really healthy. I'm not saying this. But Jesus knew a guy in his own ministry was stealing from him the whole time. And he was kind and loving. If there was anyone who could have really torched someone, he's also very straightforward with him. One of you is going to betray me. I'm telling you that a lot of that stuff is rooted in our own security and Americanism. Yeah. It's not the heart of God. He served the pagan world while advancing God's purpose in the earth. He served the pagan world while advancing God's purpose in the earth. I love too. Gone a while. I love too, though, that he stands before, he stands before Pharaoh in uh, Genesis 41. And Pharaoh says to him, I've heard that you interpret dreams. I love this. He goes, no, only God interprets dreams. That's what he tells him. And then he interprets his dream. He became the voice of God to him. Only God interprets dreams. Just so you know the source of what you're getting, but I'm, God, I'm God's representative of that source. I, I haven't said it in a while. I need to start doing it again. Sometimes people ask me, like, when I'm flying, well, what do you do? I said, I'm God's representative. Really? Yes. I'm an ambassador for heaven. Really? What does that look like? Oh, I encourage people, you know. He heard the voice of God. And I love this. He immediately, Fowler doesn't go, well, let me think about it. I mean, this is not a, this is not a, you know, a guy who's praying in tongues, hoping, you know, trying to discern the voice of God. He, it's all natural wisdom. Hey, you heard this guy can help. Heard you interpret dreams. But something comes alive in his heart. He not only interpreted his dream, but he knew what to do with that dream. 
He didn't say, here's the interpreter, seven years, seven good years, seven bad years. He didn't stop there. We, don't, we, need, to, we need to go further in our understanding of the world. This is what's going to happen, but then what are we to do? What are we to do with what God has showed us? What are we to do with what God has showed us? What are we to do with this dream? You know, some people told me I had this dream about this political. Well, what do you ask the Lord? Inquire, what are you to do? That's why it's so important to be connected. The prophetic flow of the word of the Lord was never meant to be disconnected from a community of people. It was supposed to be filtered with understanding and wisdom and these sort of things. Have the excellence of Daniel. Daniel 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, this is Daniel chapter 1, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem to besiege it. And the Lord gave him Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure of, of, of his God. Then the king instructed uh, uh, Ashfina, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel, some of the king's descendants, and some of the noblemen. Notice uh, New King James in Daniel 1.3 says they were children. Young men in whom there was no, no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. I want you to notice a number of things here. First of all, God always has a people in the earth rightly positioned. As a whole, Israel had forsaken God. We know that they could not take occupation of God's people unless they were in compromise, but God still had a faithful remnant. Number two there, you'll see that they were young children. And you'll see, even though the nation as a whole has embraced idolatry, this remnant is being represented, and you have a child. He's a child. Most people think he's no more than 12 years old, the beginning. The end of his book, he's a very old man. But years ago, I asked myself this question. How is it a young boy and his friends choose not to compromise in the middle of such evil? I'm convinced this. They had a family who was teaching them the Word of God. They had a so it teaches us a number of things. God is positioning us and wants to position us for generational inheritance and discipleship that we would disciple generations to come. Second thing is, Daniel was wise enough to listen to somebody else's instruction. It's a big one. You want to see someone who doesn't grow? It's someone who never will listen to feedback. Third, he exercised discernment. Discernment to me is not only to understand what the Lord wants to do, but knowing how to execute what the Lord wants to do, that you influence culture. How is it he takes a name change, he does, he's, he's agreeing to attend these classes. Also, I want you to notice that the enemy will seek to disciple. Everyone's being discipled. It's who are we being discipled by? And I always encourage believers that you can, the, the, the wisdom that we receive, and, and the early church fathers understood this. They understood this reality, that all learning is sacred. All learning is sacred. That means if I learn, 
I, I get fascinated with certain things. For a number of years, I got interested like in the Titanic, so I started reading all these books about the Titanic. Why did it sink? How did it cause it to sink? All these different things. So all these things, all learning like that is sacred. But what is important to us as believers is that the learning that we're doing always has to be filtered through the lens of Scripture and how God sees it. Scripture has been intended for the believers to be the highest form of reality. Amen. And here's the challenge sometimes. Sometimes believers want to do well in what God has called them to do, but they, have, they get instructions from Babylonian leaders. So the goal is, right, the goal is to be biblically worldview people. Okay, that's right. Okay, yeah, well, but yeah, yeah, what you said there is right, but I don't quite, that doesn't quite line up with scripture with me. So for me, business leaders have asked me, what do you think about entrepreneurs doing business with, un, you know, being in partnership with unbelievers? My Bible says, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. What if you, hopefully you do, you want to tie that to your business? That unbeliever is going to say, that's 10%. That's 10%. It doesn't make sense. We're here to make money, you know. But when you're a believer, you function from purpose and money follows. Our pursuit is not money. Our pursuit is the purpose of God. So Daniel exercised discernment. He had an excellent spirit. He wants us to have the excellence of Daniel. Key part of that, and you'll notice in every one of these biblical characters that the Lord highlights in this prophetic word, the word of God was essential to their life. Amen. You'll see it in Daniel. You'll see it in Nehemiah. This passion for the word of God. This passion for, for biblically seeing things from God's perspective. Daniel also, what, what also makes him have an excellent spirit? He's an intercessor. He's an intercessor who gets understanding and God reveals to him. It's a, again, another theme. The positioning of your heart defines how God relates to you. Amen. Mary is another good example, right? She says, when she meets Elizabeth, she says, I have worshipped and I will worship the Lord. Yeah. I don't think it's a random choice. I don't think God goes, oh, yeah, you know, like, like, that's a worshiper. She'll agree for her whole life to live with this stigma that she carried the Son of God. Yeah. She's okay with that. She can carry that dream. She can carry Jesus. It's not an earning thing. But position your heart to receive everything that God has for you. Final note on Daniel here. This definition, I think I read it a number of years ago. This is just a definition of the sermon the Lord gave me. The ability to act in culture according to the wisdom of God that consistently influences and acts as God would in every situation. He exercised discernment. It's part of having an excellent spirit. The ability not to say immediately what you're thinking. Yeah. 
Why? Because I've said a lot of times and regret it. Oh. Got to repent for that. That wasn't right. He was an intercessor. I want you to note, too, because he's an intercessor, he sees even pagan people through the lens of God's heart. Look at Daniel 4. Some people describe as Daniel literally working for three men, maybe four, who are like Saddam Hussein. And Belshazzar, we know, has a dream, right? Verse 19, Daniel 4.19, Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a while, and his, his thoughts troubled him. Again, notice in all these people that God highlights in this prophetic word, they spoke interpretations and wisdom of God to th things that people, things that no one could understand to pagan people. They give the interpretation, and all these guys go, oh yeah, that's the word of the Lord. They discern the voice of God. Is that what I'm saying? Evil people discern the voice of God through their lives. And the king spoke, Belshazzar, do not let this dream or its interpretation trouble you. I'll just skip on to verse 22 just for the sake of time. It is you, O king, who have grown strong and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, your dominion to the ends of the earth. He gives him the interpretation. Look at verse 27. And it's a word of judgment, too. Curry, you read Daniel 4. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. But notice what he does. Break off your sins by righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. In this case, there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. This is an evil guy. He doesn't go, you're reaping what you sow, even though it's true. He doesn't go, you're an evil man. I don't even like you. God doesn't like you. It should, it should cause us to be watchmen for some of the things taking place in this nation, not angry. There's righteous anger, but not, not this ranting thing. It should cause us, our hearts, to break. That, and I'm not being funny here, that we, we literally... There are people and leaders in American society that want us to normalize mental illness. That should be all. Oh. We have a man who was born as a woman who left his family, who has two children. They call him an admiral now. He wears, what do you call it? A wig. Right. Puts lipstick on. We got to call him a woman. That should grieve our hearts. It also should grieve our hearts that they want to uh, allow children to be, you know, stuff to their private, stuff that's not reversible. Right. 
should grieve us that people want to do that. And they don't care what you think. They're more bold than most believers. It should grieve us that it appears there's serious cognitive challenges with our current president. I, I could not believe that certain Christian leaders have certain shirts that they sell about our president on their websites. That's partnering with the accuser of the brethren, I'm sorry. These things are not, to me, laughing. And I like to joke, these are not laughing things. These are things that go, oh God. I, I, don't, I don't think we've arrived as family. That's our number one, almost every morning. We start every morning prayer. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our president, Joe Biden. We pray for Hunter Biden. We pray for Joe Biden. That's the heart of God. Wish that none would perish. First of all, pray for all in authority that you may live peaceable lives. That's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. You know, one of the words that uh, uh, just before the end of the year, the Lord gave it to me. He said, pray for the LGBTQ community like you would pray for anyone lost in your family. Pray because it's life and death. Doesn't mean we don't stand for it. We all know what the Word of God says about these things. But he's got the, like, he's going, oh, they'll chat. I wish this wasn't for you. God doesn't need our encouragement to encourage people to reap what they sow in their sinfulness. It's almost like people are giddy. Even with some of these leaders, some of these, I don't know what's true. Not, I don't, I don't, stay focused. I've learned to stay focused on my lane, but it's almost like even certain Christian leaders get excited about tragedy in the pulpit. I told you God was cleansing his house. I'm like, okay. I knew there was always something wrong with him. Yeah, you're after the fact, Jack, you know. <laughs> and it, it's toned in this Righteousness, I, I want to just tell you that's not of the Lord. It should grieve us that a man like Mike Bickle was doing this. Seems like he was doing these things. I don't know for sure. I don't know what he did or what he, I know he did something wrong. But that should grieve the heart of the heart of God is grieved. Lord, we pray for the victims. We pray for the families. Not trying to discern everything that IHOP is doing wrong. Now, this, this might be considered old school, but it's Bible. Listen, if you do the wrong thing long enough, God, God will make sure. Doesn't mean we don't stand for truth. Doesn't all these things. But God doesn't need help in you joining with the accuser of the brethren. And people are spending hours mm -hmm. debating, and is this true? Is that not true? Let's spend hours praying for all involved. Amen. Praying for families. Praying for young people whose hearts are broken. Praying for people who are misunderstood things about God. 
Glad I got that off my chest. <laughs> Here's a final one. Build like Nehemiah. We know that Nehemiah's desire to build for God, I encourage you to read Nehemiah 1, was birthed, his desire to rebuild the walls in the city was because the people was held captive. And he knew, listen, he knew, you'll read, read, read Nehemiah 1, he knew it was because they had violated the, the law of God. This has happened because we've allowed this. He's not unaware. He's not, he's not going, oh, you know, like, everything's fine. No. And he grieves, though, because he knows, but he also knows this. He knows if we turn back, God will answer. If we turn back, and it's based on this. He, he weeps because he reads the law of God, and he goes. We, that, that's what I'm saying here. All these people have got, had God's heart in their moment in history. And no one person has it all together. But together, if we have these hearts, we can strengthen each other and go, we can move ahead, you know, listen to each other and all these different things, different perspectives. And his love and fidelity for God's word causes him to build. And I love this. He doesn't stop building because he has opposition. And he, incur he goes back he goes back, and his own vision to rebuild gives other people, like, he comes back, he goes, come on, guys, we're going to build. And they go, oh, yeah, we're going to build. And I always read that. Like, why didn't they build on their own? Somebody inspired them to follow the word of God. And then in, number, in Nehemiah 8, they read the word of God, and they celebrate, and they go, we're, we're going to forsake our sins. Oh, this is what God said. Have, have the tents outside. Celebrate Sukkot. He goes, so we're going to do that. And he inspires, and he builds something for God despite the opposition. Right. Despite there being evil in God's camp. Despite a people, he said he's calling people to fidelity to God's word. That's what we're supposed to do in this season. Amen. And the heart of it is just the people who know God. The heart of it is a people who have a passion for his word, who put his word in first place who put his presence first place, who don't see it as a drudgery to obey God. It's amazing to me. Sometimes so many, I shouldn't say so, some believers will spend hours doing something they dislike, but don't have that same passion for the things of God. Set your mind on the things above. So I really just believe there's a simplicity to what God calls us to in this season. I want to throw that word up there again. I want to read it one more time. I will pray. Thanks, Janine. My greatest passion is for people on the earth who truly are progressively coming to know me, who know my ways, who know my heart, who know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. This is a season of distinct change and turning. Amen. I'm releasing heavenly blueprints to my people to live with the purpose of Joseph, have the heart of worship of David, have the excellence of Daniel, 
and know how to build like Nehemiah. Obviously, this is not an exhaustive teaching on all these guys. You could go weeks and weeks on these guys. I just took a survey look and know how to build like Nehemiah. Purpose of Joseph, heart of worship of David, had the excellence of Daniel, and know how to build like Nehemiah. At the center of what I'm doing in the earth is, peop- uh, is, is a people whose greatest desire is to know me. Lord, we thank you. And we just receive your word. God, our greatest desire is to know you. If you just agree with that, just lift your hands. Lord, we agree with your word. We say, we say like Mary, let it be according to your word. 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 And so just by the authority God has given me, I bless you that as you trust God in this season, this will be your greatest season. I bless you to overcome what you've never overcome. I bless you to see what you've never seen. I bless you to believe God to do what he's never done. I pray this over your life today. I pray Ephesians 3 over your life. I pray that you would never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So I bless you to dream with I bless you to live with prosperity from the inside out. Lord, any place in our mindset in our, in, our, in our thinking, in our view of reality that is clouded in any way, God, by, uh, by the, this, the, the Babylonian thinking, the system of this world, even religious things, God, even things that we've embraced that, that, that sound right, but they're totally contrary to you. God, teach us your ways. We don't want the leaven of the Pharisees or the Sadducees, God. You said to beware of that. So I bless you with a guarded heart. I bless you to be strengthened in the power of his might today. I bless you to know God. I bless you with revelation knowledge and insight and understanding. I pray like the Apostle Paul prayed, that the eyes of your understanding would be open. I declare that you would violently take ownership of your own heart. I pray that you would grow in relationships with other people. Just wait on the Lord. There's another marking from heaven today. 